The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Can a near-death experience give us a complete vision of the other side? Are there other ways we can be informed about where we go when we die? And what about mystics like the biblical figure Enoch? What can they reveal from the visions they've reported? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. The other day, IONS received an email from a man who wrote, My concern is, why are there so many different theories about the afterlife? Some say that after you die, you go either to heaven or to hell, but they don't talk about reincarnation. One man says in his story that those who go to hell will be there forever, but other stories that I read said that no one goes to hell forever, so I don't understand. I'm confused. I I don't know what to think. I don't know what's true and what's not. And I would like to know if you guys would please explain it to me. Thank you. Tall order. But this was my response. Thanks for your email to IONS concerning different theories about the afterlife. There is no one definitive answer for us on this side because all the ideas are just theories for us until we are there ourselves and know for certain. Even with the near-death experience, we are told we have to go back to our bodies, so we don't get the full experience of life after death. To muddy the waters further, there are political factors that have influenced traditional church views to differ from one another. Sometimes they have to do with manipulating church members to behave in ways that have more to do with power and controlling the faithful through fear rather than with love. One thing that's very interesting, however, is the fact that mystics from all religious traditions seem to agree that our duty on earth is to be kind and loving to one another. If we can do that, then whether or not there is a hell or reincarnation, we won't have to worry about it because we will have lived our life according to God's will. That's the lesson that uh, NDEs teach as well. And then at the end, I referred him to uh, look up Plato's description of Ur's NDE as described in the Republic, and also which I think I described in, uh, in brief in the first program of the series. But after I said it, I got to thinking, we should explore some of the many religious mystics' views of what awaits us on the other side. After all, many of the things they learned and the visions they saw came from NDE or NDE-like experiences. So today we're going to explore some of the descriptions left to us in the Book of Enoch. And I can't think of a better guest to have for this exploration than my friend James Bean, who was on NDE Radio with us last November. James is a comparative religion scholar, a book reviewer, author, public speaker, broadcaster with a broad familiarity with global religions and spiritual traditions. He's been involved with public radio, Radio for Peace International, the community radio movement, Wisdom Radio, and is an independent producer currently creating programs for several stations. Most importantly, James has made a lifelong study of the intersection of many Western and Eastern religious writings and traditions. James, welcome back to NDE Radio. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Great to be here. It's always it's always fun to have you on. And uh, uh, today's topic, the Book of Enoch. Could you tell us uh, tell the audience a little about what that text is? 
Right, right, and we can even delve into other other things too. I was listening to the the letter that you were reading, and I was thinking of uh, examples of um, uh, where different religions are fairly in agreement about the the inner landscape or the heavens and and the afterlife. Uh, the books of Enoch, it all for me began. I was reading the New Testament book of Jude one day, <laughs> long, long, long ago. <laughs> And I think I was using the Berkeley Bible, some candid, kind of neutral, scholarly, objective, you know, translation with good footnotes. And in Jude, it, it said um, uh, Jude was quoting from the book of First Enoch, uh, was the footnote. Uh, and I was amazed that there, in, that there was this other book that a New Testament author was quoting that was not in the Bible. It was sort of a eureka moment for me, I guess, or a opening <laughs> of some sort uh, to the possibility of other books. And so I thought, hey, what is this book of Enoch? It's not in the Old Testament table of contents. And not long after that, I found someone that sold copies of the books of First and Second Enoch, and I happily ordered copies of <laughs> those and began um, a study of Enoch and other similar uh, books uh, that have been given several different names, Lost Books of the Bible, Apocrypha, Pseudopographical Literature or Biblical Literature, just books that were in someone else's Bible or some used by a certain sect in a certain region of the Middle East. And there's a whole vast treasure trove of literature in that category, and I started collecting it and learning more about it. Who put the Bible together? Uh, what did people think of Enoch in the ancient world? Why did Jude, if Jude quoted it, why isn't it in the Bible of the Western world? And started wrestling with those sorts of questions, and that's how I became the heretic I am today. <laughs> well, I, I, one of the, uh, actually the only copy of Enoch that I have was uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet's take take oh, on it yeah. when her book is titled Forbidden Mysteries of Enoch, which fits right. right into that category that you're talking about. Right, right. Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, literature. I, I would say that uh, First Enoch is the oldest. It goes back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Most parts of it were found at uh, Qumran and is probably written by several different people. Um, from 200 B.C., and I think 3rd Enoch actually is much more recent, like the 1st or 2nd century A.D. So a number of authors contributed to it, uh, and it, although it's written obviously much more recently than the ancient biblical patri pre-flood patriarch Enoch, it does reflect mm. Jewish beliefs about Enoch, certainly, and is out to... That he walked with God... Right, right, and it it's and it kind of expands on what is it Genesis chapter five the the nephilim the the gods from the the sky and you know sons of God you know invasion <laughs> yes the and, fallen angels who took uh, human wives to 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 uh, have the nephilim I guess right right it kind of fills in the blanks there in in Genesis and. But it's it's a huge collection of writings. Actually, Enoch is very large. All three books are very, very large, and it and it centers upon Enoch's ascension through the heavens. He's given this tour of the heavens, 
And well, it says in, in Second Enoch, which goes into the the details of this heavenly ascension, that he fell asleep and started having this dream, and angels appeared to him. And then it says it goes out of the way to say that he woke up from the dream, <laughs> uh, lest mm-hmm. we think this is all a, a dream. You know, like in a movie, someone falls asleep and there's this dream sequence, and then all of a sudden, crazy, amazing things start happening. It's almost like that. Only the text does say he woke up from the dream, and the angels were still there and uh, escorted him. And that's how it always is in these uh, uh, ascension uh, records of ascension. Uh, You have an angel or angels that escort the soul into the beyond. Uh, It's never a solo flight. It's always one is being escorted by angels. Which is often what's reported in near-death experience as well. Right, right. And I have a copy of the Mandaean scriptures of Iraq, a Gnostic text, and uh, and I wrote an article on the Mandaeans, and the section called Embraced by the Light uh, describes uh, a being of light escorting the soul as it was crossing over to the other side. And that's an Aramaic text from an Aramaic text written about 1,700 years ago. In the Middle East, and, and it sounds a lot like a near what you'd call a near-death experience, you know, right from Kenneth Ring or uh, Raymond Moody. Well, what uh, tell us a little more about what Enoch saw on his on his journey? Well, he was escorted through a series of heavens, and basically uh, there there are descriptions of uh, angels and different kinds of angels and beings and music and the throne of God. There's this, in in Jewish mysticism or Kabbalah, there's this Merkabah mysticism, it's called the throne of God. And you get a little bit of that in the the New Testament book of Revelation, which is kind of the same sort of literature. Uh, Visions of heaven and what is going on there. And that centers upon the the throne of God and... uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful music, worship music. There's always descriptions of uh, angelic choirs and singing, uh, beautiful heavenly music. And that's something I've endeavored to look into. Uh, Near-death near uh, experiencers have reported hearing beautiful music. And I think of Pam Reynolds. Uh, experience and how how this she started hearing this music and it drew her up through the top of her head out <laughs> into the beyond mm. and and how central that is uh, to uh, the experience of quite a few um, near death experiencers and also people who practice meditation uh, follow that same practice of focusing on the music and letting it kind of pull you up into the heavens. And that brings me back to Enoch, because uh, always with these revelations, there is a, a like a trumpet or a sound at the beginning that pulls the soul up. And that's true in the book of Revelation. The, there's this trumpet, and then John the Revelator, as he's referred to, you know, was drawn up to and see visions of the heavens. And, and that's true also of uh, Enoch, who's described as uh, hearing this trumpet sound. Trumpets are like the favorite biblical (laughs) instrument for this sort of thing. And so they hear this sound, and all of a sudden they're drawn up. So sound and music, worship, 
music in the heavens, heavenly music, is very central to uh, the process of having the well, having a near-death experience, having a mystical experience, and yeah. it seems to always be present in in this type of literature. There's always a uh, uh, sound, or or Saint Paul heard things he was not able to repeat, or it was unlawful to reveal, you know, secret things that he couldn't divulge. <laughs> yes, that he saw in the third heaven. Right. One of the uh, one of the uh, well, let's go back for a minute, and um, because this book uh, was apparently very important uh, during the time that Jesus was alive, that he right. probably uh, no doubt read it. And um, and yet it didn't, as part of the Jewish tradition or the Christian tradition, in, in the long run, for some uh, for some reason it was excluded from both and only turned up in Ethiopia, uh, what in the 1700s? Right when, when uh, uh, Mr. Bruce, uh, this explorer by the name of Bruce, went there and got several copies of the Ethiopian Bible and brought it back to to uh England I believe London yes and there and then they translated it and and uh got uh first and second Enoch and and other writings as well he was quite an adventurer I guess James Bruce he uh uh learned the language um then of course he stole these books um probably although so. <laughs> <laughs> although I uh a few years with a group from uh, Bangor Seminary, and uh, we looked at some of these ancient texts, and they're in, in deplorable condition because they're kept in the churches, and so they're not protected from the weather, from humidity, or from insects. So uh, probably uh, those texts that uh, Bruce stole, uh, I think they're now in the Oxford Library somewhere, so they're probably better protected than anything that remains in Ethiopia today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that book is still in print, I believe. It's called Enoch, the Book of Enoch the Prophet. Uh, I think his translation, original translation into English, is still out there somewhere for sale. And and certainly it's online, I believe. Uh, now, you had referred to, in a show that you recently did on your you know, one of your radio programs to uh, Graham Hancock's uh, The Sign and the Seal, when he's he goes off to Ethiopia to find the Ark of the Covenant. And um, he said he noted that um, the Book of Enoch has been of great significance to Freemasons, which I thought was an interesting, an interesting thing too. Ah, yeah, it's a, it's been a very important book, uh, uh, kind of uh, behind the scenes. Uh, it was important to the the Essene branch of Judaism two thousand years ago, and the Essenes have been likened to a kind of proto Christian segue from Christian from Judaism to Christianity. There, there's some kind of almost Christian or neo Christian ideas in Essenism, um, messianic, uh, looking for a Messiah, having monasteries, communion, baptism by immersion in water, uh, a, a lot of ideas that seem kind of Christian, or what became Christian. And uh, the Essenes love the books of Enoch, or first Enoch, I should say. That's the, the one that was found in uh, at Qumran, the Dead Sea Scroll discovery, uh, Aramaic fragments. Many fragments of Enoch were found there, as if it was one of the most important books. They found more more copies of Enoch, or or fragments of copies 
there than any other book. So, uh, other than Isaiah, Enoch was like one of their top on their top ten list of uh, things to read. And of course, the 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 first Christians, uh, the the Jesus movement, were uh, to me they seemed like Ebionites or kind of like cousins of the Essenes or the grandchildren of the Essenes were, you know, very, very close to that tradition. That's something that scholars debate, the exact nature of the relationship. But uh, it seems like whatever the, the Essenes had for scriptures, so did the, the first Christians, including Enoch and, and Jude. And it was around mm-hmm. uh, for a, a, quite a while after that, too, because even in uh, a couple centuries later, with early church fathers that are recognized in, by Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, uh, Tertullian uh, quoted from the book of Enoch as scripture. He would say in his writings, it says in the scriptures, quote, blah, 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 and he was actually referring to passages in Enoch. So it was around uh, for quite a while, and... Uh, seemed to fall out of favor gradually, you know, sometime in the third century, I guess. I, I, well, I wonder, you know, I, I think uh, St. Augustine and Origen both make reference to Enoch as well. So the book was there. The reason that it was fi- ultimately rejected as scripture might have been a Greek influence because it is a very mystical and and super spiritual book with references to fallen angels and and things that the uh, the Greeks might have considered less than rational. Right, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely, Enoch comes with Jewish roots, very Essene and Ebionite Jewish Christian roots from that very earliest Aramaic-speaking Jesus movement. And, yeah, when things kind of switch to Rome and the Greco-Roman influence, uh, yeah, I'm sure they thought it was... Uh, kind of out there, you know, sort of like it is kind of like, uh, well, you know, Eric von Däniken, uh has quoted from it <laughs> before with his, you know, chariots of the gods and mm. aliens coming down, you know, because there is a lot of that uh, uh, angels coming to earth and teaching humanity and kind of uh, material in there. So uh, those that are into the, the flying saucer UFO intervention in human history, you know, they find a lot of material in Enoch to quote from. Yes, there was a a teacher um, named Gene Scott who used to have his own satellite uh, broadcast 24 hours a day, and right. he he loved uh, Van Daniken, except he said that uh, it, he disputed the idea that they were aliens. He said they were fallen angels, um, and that. But Daniken didn't didn't Daniken say that uh, the the Greek and Roman gods and goddesses were really fallen angels? Stories about the fallen angels. Well, I think he he cited those two as uh, from other cultures examples of the same sort of thing, and you know uh, others have done that with Babylonian mythology as well, and just kind of seeing in the in the religions of the world a kind of memory of this uh, intervention. <laughs> they would interpret mm-hmm. gods as uh, astronauts, I suppose, and. Uh, I've always been kind of neutral about that. I'm, I'm not too into the UFO scene, but uh, you know, I, I, I try and keep a little bit of an open mind uh, to that sort of thing. The possibility of mm-hmm. you know someone coming through in the past. Uh, sure. Well, it's uh, it may just. Uh, 
study search for extraterrestrial intelligence or the um, or ancient archaeology. You know, probably archaeology is more promising than SETI as far as find, finding evidence for extraterrestrials. I think so. There's a there's a lot we've uh, haven't yet uncovered in, in the ground and under the ocean. That uh, it's always amazing to me when I go to a place where the bottom most stones say it, a uh, Mycenae are the most beautifully cut and the most perfectly fitted together, and then the upper parts of walls are much more amateurish. It says that a, a very much more sophisticated culture built the bottom part, and uh, later on they just added to it. Yeah, there's a lot of... Got to wonder where... Yeah. yeah. Uh, now... Um, to answer the other part of my uh, the inquiry that came into Ions, does um, does Enoch talk about hell as well? Yeah, he sure does. Uh, yep, hell, hells and heavens, and and that's one thing I when you read this type of literature uh, that becomes very clear, uh, and and it's a little bit obscure in the New Testament because there's so few books that are left that make up the New Testament, only 27 books. So you have a, like a Paul's reference to the third heaven, and that's you know part of an old belief in several different heavens. And But when you read all of the writings from that era, uh, the belief was that there are several different heavens and several different hells as well. And you find this in Hinduism and Buddhism also. They've got like, a, like many, many different heavens, and different hells or uh, other dimensions. And I, I suppose um, as this whole uh, interest in M-theory and quantum physics and parallel universes, you know, sort sort of gets more pervasive, uh, that people that follow these different religions will really like that. <laughs> so, so, so far I've seen mm-hmm. some positive comments that, you know, if you have science saying, saying that there's multiple dimensions, and ancient religions talking about heavens or regions, many different regions. Uh, I, I think that I think that makes them happy. I think the you know the the spiritual metaphysical world is kind of glad to see uh, quantum physics come along. <laughs> well, it's uh, yes, for such a long time there was such a division between science and 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 religion. Now. Um, science is becoming truly mystical. <laughs> yes, and, I find, uh, uh, Michio Kaku, um, his descriptions of quantum physics and the theory of everything to be very poetic and, and kind of spiritual. Yes. The uh, oh, I was going to ask you about uh, a little more about hell. Um, the uh, contact that the Jews had with Babylon is that where the ideas of hell. Uh, came into the Jewish tradition. I am not exactly sure. I, there's a Greek concept of uh, of of hell, uh, and, and you know, there's, there's different. Even in the biblical tradition, you've got different words: uh, Gehenna, which is more fiery, and Sheol, which is from the Hebrew. Uh, just seems like uh, the place of the dead. Doesn't seem necessarily a place of torment or anything like that. Uh, and then there's another one it begins with the letter T, like Tarsus or Tardus, something like that. 
which is another so so you've got different names for for different types of hell even in the in the biblical tradition mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the old old and new testaments and ranging from just a quiet dark place where the dead are sleeping on the one hand to more of a torment um on the other right. hand I, I like what origin of Alexandria, uh, his views on, on it. Uh, he believed in this doctrine called the reconciliation of all things, where all souls would eventually make it. So his view was not that hell was an eternal place, uh, but that all souls would, uh, more like a purgatory, I suppose, or time limits, uh, you know, and that all souls would eventually make their way back to God again in the end. I, I like his. I like his view. Mm-hmm. I think Ur's story uh, from Plato um, is the same. That that you go to even to heaven for just a time, and you go to hell or or a punishment for just a time, and then everyone meets together in the Elysian fields and goes on to their next lives. So uh, that's it's much more hopeful than being eternally condemned, which is. More a Dante-like Catholic idea. Yeah, yeah, and certainly Eastern religions very much have that view that souls will learn their lessons sooner or later. Some sooner, some take more time, <laughs> and and uh, mm-hmm. come along later. But ultimately, that you can't have an eternal hell because only God is eternal. Only God is is spirit and truth and timeless. By definition, God is timeless, and so you can't have a hell region that's also timeless. That's like saying God and hell are the same thing. So it doesn't there's no real place for a, for an eternal hell in uh, Eastern religions. But I suppose it can seem like an eternity. I mean, if you have a, a car accident, you know, even uh, 60 seconds can seem like an eternity. <laughs> so, but as far that, as yeah, um, that's that, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So time is relative. Um, well, and once you're outside of time, of course, if uh, time is just a dimension that we're condemned to live in, then something could be eternal without without a lot of effort. I mean, it would be just one instant, but it would be an instant that doesn't change. Um, there was a oh gosh. Well, listen, we're running out of time, so I better. Not <laughs> I'm going to let you finish the show rather than me. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, well, I should just I, mention. I can send anyone who wants some charts of the heavens. Uh, just email me, and I can send those to you because there are common threads amongst different schools of mystics about the heavenly realms. And I can just. I've got these all uploaded online. Just send me an email, James at Spiritual Awakening Radio. Dot com James at spiritualawakeningradio.com and I'll just send you a link to, to the heavens quite literally that's that's great do you, do you have your shows archived as well I have some podcasts at my website uh, yep I, I sure mm-hmm. do because people should really get a chance to listen to your uh, to your program I in my area in Maine I listen to it on Hassan College's radio uh, on Sunday mornings, but um, you're all over the country. Yeah, wherever the internet goes around the world. Yeah, so that's uh, um, people should definitely listen. I, your show is is one of the best I know of on the radio. So um, I, I always uh, enjoy hearing your programs. Yep, um, talking about world religions, and let me s- mystics, and 
the lesser known books or the out of print books or the banned books or the lost books. <laughs> right. Well, we might continue this discussion uh, past Enoch and into some of the other mystics, perhaps Eastern mystics, and what they have seen of heaven and hell um, oh, on yeah, another program, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's it's fascinating. So uh, we'll talk. We'll have to we'll have to talk about that. Uh, um, unfortunately, we are out of time here on NDE Radio. So, um, thank you, James. Uh, My pleasure. Great having you on the show. Absolutely. My thanks to James. Okay. My thanks to James Bean for today's edition of Ions NDE Radio. For more information about Ions, our services, and news about near death experience, please go to our website at iands.org. And join us next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening.